Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I am Charlotte Kressler, and I'm the Youth Commissioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we're back. You might be thinking to yourself, again, another <laughs> podcast? More? No, I, I think it's again, <laughs> again. another podcast. I say to you, as long as there are Sundays, there will be Faith to Go podcasts. <laughs> as long as we have funding, which is, you know, minimal. Uh, that I is, know. Is required of us. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in for this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about the gospel for August 2nd, proper 13. Again, as you could guess from Matthew's gospel. Uh, and this is the week leading up to that Sunday. Um, uh, but before we get into it, uh, I wanted to ask Charlotte about something that we actually talked about when Maya was on the podcast a few weeks ago. And that was uh, when we ta- when we spoke with Maya, it was leading up to and in preparation for this uh, dismantling racism training that uh, Maya and Charlotte are doing with the youth of the Diocese of San Diego. And so I wanted to ask you, Charlotte, uh, would you like just give us an update and tell us what it's how it's going uh, and what it's been like since you all started? that? Yeah, it is amazing. It is a true gift. Um, If I am completely honest, I am blown away with the caliber of the program itself, both the program that was put out from the Diocese of Atlanta and the Absalon Jones Center for Racial Healing but also with the way that Maya has reinterpreted it into a digital format with a Google Classroom and a way to engage the youth in it when they're all in separate rooms. Mm -hmm. So much of youth programming is done in a way where we move with our bodies or we engage um, with each other through a place of connectedness. And knowing that each person is dialing up through their computer from their own house and trying to develop this connected experience through a digital format, mm-hmm. having most of them having never even met each other is really amazing. And so, oh, and I should say in this also, another podcast guest, Greg Tuttle, is helping to facilitate um, so that we have three adults when we go into breakout rooms. So more people that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But this past, the first week of the program was writing a covenant and the second week um, you consider God as an artist and the different multimedia ways in which we experience art. And then as we consider how we all are a reflection of God's handiwork and watching the youth engage with the different art mediums and their reflections on what was beautiful about all of these different things. Um, everything from baskets to oil paintings to stained glass to spoken word. Um, It just was really insightful and thought-provoking and challenging and so just deeply rewarding to be part of that conversation with them. Um, It's a great program. I am excited to see how it's translated into a digital format, and I'm really excited about how we consider continuing to use this program moving forward. And so if people are interested in getting more information about that, where would you, what would you suggest that they do? 
Um, they can go to www.edsd forward slash dismantling racism. And even though our current program is full, there is an affinity list that you mm -hmm. can sign up for. Mm -hmm. um, and that way, as we envision what the next step looks like, you will receive an email from me inviting you to be part of whatever the program looks like in the next mm -hmm. steps. And if people were in another diocese wanting to put it on, they would need to be trained, right, Correct. as dismantling racism leaders. Correct. Through the Diocese um, of Atlanta. The, yeah, and um, I have to give like a huge shout out to how quickly they pivoted. Um, but the Absalon Jones Center and the Diocese of Atlanta are now offering virtual trainings for mm -hmm. this curriculum. Awesome. Um, so it is possible for other dioceses to take on this program and to offer it as well. And if they choose to do that and they want information about how to facilitate a Google Classroom and anything like that, um, we would be happy to be in conversation with that as well. Awesome. So we'll put those link, the links to both of those things, the diocesan, the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego's website, as well as the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing in the description for this podcast. You'll be able to find them there. Uh, and go check it out if you're interested. Um, so thanks, Charlotte, for sharing that with us. That's so cool. We're so excited to see that happening uh, and being able to engage the youth in that conversation, this diocese, and the work that the Absalom Jones Center is doing just in general. They're amazing. So, uh, And we would love to hear from you. We want to know what you're doing um, in terms of dismantling racism in your context. What are the actions you are taking to uh, become an anti-racist and to um, facilitating that kind of training and and growth for other people. Um, we would love to hear from you about any of those things. Any questions or comments you have from your week of faith discussion and reflection, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, or you can also find all the faith2go resources every week at www.myfaith2go.org. And you can... Uh, contact us through and follow us on Instagram at faith to go And so now we're going to get into the gospel for this week. It is a familiar story. It is one of those stories that we refer to off the cuff all the time. Um, and so we are going to get into this familiar story. It's from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Charlotte is going to read it, and then we're each going to highlight a point and then collaborate on a third. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Jesus withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured the sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Okay, so the feeding of the five thousand. There's actually two feeding stories 
that are very similar in Matthew's gospel. Matthew has a tendency to duplicate things. And uh, so there's actually another feeding story in the next chapter, in chapter 15, feeding the 4,000. So a downgrade from this story, but <laughs> still, Not so many. still a large number of people. Um, and, you know, last week we we had that rapid fire round of all those parables. That was the end of chapter 13. And then there's one story bet- before the beginning of this uh, story in chapter 14. I'm going to talk about that story with my first point. So I'll, that'll kind of be the transition from context to the first point. But that's generally where we are. We're in the same uh, place. Jesus did just did that whole run of parables. That was pretty much the entirety of chapter 13. And now Jesus is moving on you know, into further ministry, healing, teaching, doing these kind of miraculous acts. So that's where we are in the gospel. Um, so the other thing is that uh, to transition into my fir- into the first point uh, is that this comes after the story um, which kicks off chapter 14, the death of John the Baptist. And so chapter, you, you might remember this story. It's, it's the one about, uh, you know, John being in prison and then uh, Herod, uh, Herod's wife kind of like getting her daughter on her birthday to ask Herod to give her the head of John the Baptist and then they kill John the Baptist and then John the Baptist's um, disciples uh, take his body and bury it and so chapter 14 verse 12 says his disciples came and took the body and buried it then they went and told Jesus and then chapter 13 or verse 13 which is the beginning of the reading for today says now when Jesus heard this he withdrew from withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself and i think that's an important piece of context if you just read this this gospel this lectionary reading the way it's presented in the lectionary it just it seems like jesus is kind of just like taking a nice quiet moment for himself right. you know you don't know what they're referring to exactly but but jesus is Remember who John is to Jesus. John is his cousin, number one. John is the person that baptized him. John is the one that marked kind of the beginning of his ministry. John is the one, you know, crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the one who is to come in Jesus. And so, so Jesus's ministry, his, his the work of his life is kind of, a, a continuation of the work that John started in a lot of ways. There, there's some scholars that think that Jesus may have been a disciple of John's in the first place. So what, we're, what we see here is Jesus's reaction to the death of his, his cousin, his family member, his partner in ministry in a lot of ways, his predecessor. And I think... I think the thing that's striking me in, in this moment right now is like this may be the, the time that Jesus is coming to terms with what, what, what happens to people that are doing this work that he is doing. What happens to people that proclaim the kingdom of God, that call for people to repent, to change their actions, to change the ways that they are interacting with one another, to change their ways of injustice and oppression. And I feel like this is like this moment where there's this like stark reality that faces Jesus of, well, this is the person whose ministry I'm following. 
and he was just executed. You know, and and what kind of what kind of a cold, you know, like moment of reality that must have been for Jesus as much no, no matter what we want to believe about how much he knew about his own death, what his how his story was going to unfold. There's some there's something even if he knew that there's some kind of new reality when John is killed, I think. And so this is kind of like this moment where Jesus I, I just I, I just imagine this moment where Jesus like hears this news and goes and grieves the loss of this person as well as begins to come to grips with what could lie ahead for him in a new way and then and then doesn't stop there he knows what's going to happen he knows what has happened to John he knows that he's going to even push further and harder than John and push more people than John did. And he doesn't stop, even in the midst of this grief, of this sadness about John. And so this, it just, it's like Jesus is kind of continuing this long line of prophetic voices that continues to this day of people who saw what happened to the people that came before them that were fighting for justice, that were fighting for liberation, that were speaking out against the power structures, who saw the people that went before them die and did not stop, did not let that death be the end of their ministry, of their prophetic voice, but continued. Um, but, but it's just this amazing witness to the, like we talked about last week, to kind of the, the unstoppable momentum of justice that is the truth of the kingdom of heaven that you cannot destroy that force that lives on in people and it lives on in jesus in the wake of john's death here well and i think david is part of that that i would also offer that the simplicity of the explanation that we get with jesus withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself and how that relates to the magnitude of both his grief for John the Baptist and his decision not only to continue on in his own teaching and mission and march forward, um, but also knowing that those who followed him were also making that same choice and that it all comes down to this one sentence speaks of such depth of love that we don't get this big drawn out explanation or justification or rationale for anything. It's he withdrew in a deserted place by himself. The crowds followed him and then he had compassion on them. And these things take place like that. And through the thread that we see that intertwines through that, those few sentences, we realize that abiding love of processing what has happened. And then the decision just to move forward. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that helps you move forward like that is love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. all that work comes from that place so and that brings me to the ways in which we get fed which is point number two um, because this is arguably one of the best known bible stories the feeding of the five thousand we have all heard since we were children um, in sunday school and the breaking of the bread and the fish and it being passed around and there was enough for everybody um, and I love this story for a lot of reasons, because when I think about this story, I think about the crowds who were so drawn to Jesus that they followed him. They wanted him to continue teaching them um, because they were hungry and he fed them with that. But then their physical bodies were tired and hungry, too. 
And instead of turning them away, he fed them with loaves and fish and made sure that there was enough for any everybody. And it's a reminder to us that we are fed through Scripture continually, that it deepens our faith and our relationship with God, reading Scripture um, and choosing to be taught and choosing to learn and to experience God in that way. Um, but it's also a reminder that we need to take care of our physical selves, that God cares about that too, um, that we aren't equipped to do his work and his mission and his ministry if we aren't taking care of ourselves as part of that also, and that Jesus cared about it, and so therefore we should care about it too. But then I love to think about it in a plus one way, because we've now been fed through the scripture, and we've learned, and Jesus has taught us, and we've been fed physically, and there were leftovers. Mm -hmm. There were holy leftovers, right? Like 12 baskets of gathered up broken pieces. And these are broken pieces that were not thrown in the trash. They were gathered into baskets, thus saying that those pieces were still important, that it wasn't like, oh, I fed you, you've had enough. Thank goodness we're done with that now. It's like, no, 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 nothing goes to waste here. Let us gather it all up because there is another use for this. Mm. And what was it used for? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Because we don't get it. What was it used for? Mm -hmm. Was it sent home um, with someone who had sick relatives and it was offered to them? Was it packed in a child's lunch the next day? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to contextualize things into my life too much, but I love considering what could those 12 baskets of food further have done over and above the feeding of the 5,000 that were already there. Mm -hmm. The feeding didn't stop with 5,000. The feeding didn't stop with the physical food that they were offered. It was considered in every way in which they were in relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. I just, yeah, what I I love that this that that this story includes a, a overflowing abundance more than what was needed. You know that it mm -hmm. went from not being enough to being to being too much. You know, mm -hmm. um, and that. I imagine if Jesus could do what he did, then he could have made it exactly enough. But that's yeah. just not how Jesus works. That's just not the kingdom of heaven. And there's so many other, there's so many parables that Jesus tells to point to that fact of overflowing, of abundance, of things being filled up and more. Um, and that that happens, uh, which kind of goes to my point, when, when we're going about this kind of, these communal actions, these communal ways of living into abundance because I love this. I love this interaction between Jesus and the disciples and I totally get where the disciples are coming from because they are seeing, they are seeing the scarcity of what is present. You know, they are, they are seeing this incredibly large group of 5,000 people and they are, and they are holding, you know, these what is it five loaves and two fishes right and and they are acting I, they are acting out of a sense of i think it kind of it is kind of compassion because they're like what are, what are these people going to do they need to go and figure out what they're going to eat right so this is a deserted place and the hour is now late send the crowds away so that may, they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves and I get this idea. This is kind of like a, we only have enough for us. I don't want them to go hungry. So they just send them away so they can figure it out for themselves. But Jesus says they need not go away. 
you give them something to eat and then he turns it back on them (laughs) right and uh, and then they say you know this is all we have and jesus we know what happens jesus breaks it all apart and feeds everybody but i to me what underlies all of this is that what jesus is trying to teach the disciples and teach us is that we are responsible for one another that you go i i i my, like com- compassion doesn't stop at me wanting you to be okay and then telling you how you can go about being okay it it this compassion needs to overflow just like the loaves and fishes into a sense of a real sense of responsibility for one another's wellness and i'm not talking about like like some sort of like codependent i'm only i'm okay if you're okay though it's kind of it's it's similar to that but it's not like i'm like sacrificing my own wellness like you were saying that our wellness is important i'm not sacrificing my own wellness uh for the sake of everyone else to the detriment of myself because i need to be okay in order to to do the work that jesus is calling me to do in the world but it's also not this like everyone for themselves I'll tell you how you should go and pull yourself up by your bootstraps while I sit over here and eat my five loaves and two fishes. Right. It's like Jesus says, your your link your link to these people is inescapable. Like we're all in this together now. We're all here, and so we're all in this together. Everyone that is here is part of this movement, and you don't get to decide who's going to have some and who's not. So we need to figure out how we are going to take care of one another, and I think that that is where we are right now uh and that's where we've always been you know like this this kind of scarcity mentality gets us there it gets us to the place where i'm okay and i'll tell you how you should what you should do to be okay instead of me working for your wellness alongside of you and listening to what you need you know because the disciples were trying to tell the crowd what they needed and and not listening to what the crowd was saying like we want to stay here we want to be with you you know and just kind of like you know being open and and in touch with with how we are called to be in relationship with one another like Jesus is inviting them here and on top of that i think that part of what i read when i read all of this is tiredness mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever felt tired david no, never uh, never ever right but that's certainly how i read some of this from the disciples is that they're tired and yeah. so the easy solution is send them into town to get something to eat Mm -hmm. and in jesus's response um which is a bit of a like no 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 you know like a little bit of a scolding Mm -hmm. um but there also is compassion and a reminder to them that even when we're tired we have to still do the right thing um that we don't get to decide that being tired gives us the hall pass Mm -hmm. right that we have to keep going we have to keep going and i hear that here too yeah so that's three points for this gospel this week, uh, proper 13. Uh, number one was uh, this point about Jesus taking time to grieve uh, and watching a leader of a movement um, be killed and not giving up, but continuing that work of justice and the kingdom of heaven in the world. Number two was Charlotte's, and it was about the the many ways that we are fed spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and how important it is uh, to pay attention to our physical wellness. That this story shows us Jesus's 
um, concern for our physical wellness as much as spiritual and emotional wellness and the abundance of wellness that flows from from that from God and then number three was about uh, our responsibility for one another and Jesus inviting the disciples to recognize that they cannot separate themselves from this crowd that that they are responsible everyone there is responsible for one another and that they have to work together uh, to figure out where to go next, to figure out how to be fed, and to figure out what to do as a community. So uh, we encourage you to go back and read this gospel through one more time, see if anything new jumps out having heard that discussion. We would love to hear from you. Any uh, questions, stories, comments from your week of faith discussion, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, where you can also find all the faith2go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. We will be back next week for Proper 14, the week leading up to August 9th. And until then, we say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.